This show is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Welcome to our Halloween special. I'm Emily, and today my co-host Senda and I welcome the talented Wendelin and Camden to play the Scarecrow, one of the many settings of the Protocol game series from Postworld Games. Wendy will be leading us through this GM-less game that features cards as the main mechanic. The Scarecrow is a story role-playing game about isolation and superstition. Characters are children living in rural America, all dealing with a local legend about a scarecrow, who may or may not be real. Based on the Cropsey myth on Staten Island or the Slender Man from the internet, this game plays upon both misguided fears and preconceptions, creating an environment that is both unstable and comforting. This game has some lighthearted moments, but is definitely a suspense and horror game, if you're uncomfortable or maybe triggered by things like child death, off-screen violence to children, and some active violence, we hope you will join us for our next adventure. We recorded in person, and we're still working on our in-person audio quality setup. But this game is set in 1993, so please consider the lower quality audio as part of this setting. This game also features an imaginary friend, a cat named Mithril, and if you listen very closely, you can hear her meowing and bumping the mic. This was definitely Mithril, and was in no way Senda's cat Legolas. Mithril. Special shout out to our patrons of the week, Miriam A. and Jen Gagney. If that's wrong, please let us know and we'll fix it. Thank you both so much. Hi guys, we are sitting here with some awesome friends of ours, Wendy and Camden. We are going to sit down to a game of protocol for our Halloween special tonight. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate the backup. <laughs> so really quick, before we get into it, I'm going to have them introduce yourself. So Camden, tell me who you are and where people can find you on the internet. Hi, I'm Camden Wright. Uh, I make ridiculous games that uh, people <laughs> may or may not want to play. I love them. I love them. <laughs> uh, you can find me at uh, Camden.com or on Twitter at, at Camden. No, yours are really easy. Yeah. I, Did you pull that off? I don't we'll go with Idella Mifflin. <laughs> <laughs> he got them about 25 years ago. Right. Back, back when the, the internet was in black and white. <laughs> right. Back in my day, we just had string and we liked it. <laughs> Also, of course, Wendy, who is running our game this evening. Say hi. Hi, everybody. This is Wendelin Reichel. You can find me on Facebook at Wendelin Reichel. I have a public page if you're interested. I have a couple of cool projects going on right now. One of them is called Wrath and Glory. It is the new Warhammer 40,000 role-playing game being led up by Ross Watson uh, with Ulysses North America. And uh, one of the next cool projects they have going on is writing a Delphi mission for Torg Eternity, the Living Land source book. So that's pretty cool. I just got done with a micro <laughs> setting for Tiny Dungeons 2E from Gallant Night Games and uh, writing a one-shot game for Buccaneer Through Hell and High Waters, a new Savage World setting. 
<laughs> setting for Tiny Dungeons 2E from Gallant Night Games and uh, writing a one-shot game for Buccaneer Through Hell and High Waters for a new Savage World setting. So let's just hand the floor over to Wendy <laughs> with all that out of the way. All right. Lead us in. I've never played this game before. Yeah, so tonight we're playing a game from Post World Games on Jim Pinto. It's called The Scarecrow, and uh, anything from Post World Games can be found on DriveThruRPG. Uh, each protocol, so the, the game system is called Protocol. Each protocol can be found there. They're typically three, bu- three bucks for a PDF or five for a soft cover, cover book if you're interested in that. Um, I feel pretty like, reasonable. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have a lot of replay value, which is pretty cool. So let's see. Here's my introduction. This is a GM-less game, so while I'll be facilitating the rules, we all have an equal level of authority and control as we go through the game. Let's see, there are no dice, there are no stats, no min-maxing, there are no right answers in the back of the book. The entire scenario is about four sentences long, and we'll collaboratively create the rest before we get started. Let's see. Winning is telling a great story, and I hope that everyone has a big smile or at least a grimace on their face by the end of the night, (laughs) since we're doing a scary story tonight. Um, Quick reference on your character sheet. So, on your turn, make something important happen. We'll go around the room four times. Everyone's going to get to interact as a director, and on your turn, you tell us all of the context of the scene. The framework will be provided by the system, but you know, who's there, what they're feeling, where they are, what time of day it is, kind of what's going on in the background. You get to add as many of those details as you'd like to. The director also gets to decide when the scene ends. So you set it up and you call it when it ends. It's typically better to end the scene earlier and at a cliffhanger than to let the scene kind of wither and die naturally. So if there's a point at which everyone is kind of staring at each other around the table, and we don't know where to role play from there, definitely call the scene to at that point. Um, if there's ever conflict in the game, the director will typically narrate how the conflict ends. If a player wants to do that, they can pay one of their drama points in order to do that. If two players want to fight over who is going to narrate what that conclusion is, you can do a war of who spends more drama points to get there. To that point, drama points. You're, you're going down. <laughs> yeah. I am the queen of drama. You might got moxie, but I prepared for this. <laughs> All right, so everybody's Ooh, now we have drama points with three drama points, which I'm just using some of my lovely Savage Worlds poker chips for. Um, this is highly sexualized. <laughs> I don't think I have that one, but now I'm fascinated. I have that one. It's the Jersey Devil. It's very appropriate. It's a weird, weird war, too. <laughs> Plain uh, artwork. Anyhow, if at any time you want to break a rule, including during character creation and world building, you can spend a drama point to get a new card drawn or um, to do something along those lines. And if you have any questions, let me know as we go along. Everyone gets four turns. We won't know until the finale, which is after those four turns are completed, whether or not the Scarecrow is real. So while we can hint at the Scarecrow maybe moving or things like that, don't define during gameplay whether or not the Scarecrow is actually coming to life, okay? 
there are four kinds of scenes that we'll roleplay, and this is dictated by the deck of cards. Everything in Protocol uses a deck of cards to kind of help us create the framework of the scenes. And the suit of the cards determines what kind of scene we'll play. So the first one, Clubs, is a vignette that's one to two minutes of pure description, sets a lot of mood or tone and advances the story, but there is no dialogue or role-playing in that. That's one of the hardest things for people is to not insert dialogue into, so I totally get if it happens, but try to avoid that. And definitely don't say, hey, Emily, I want you to role-play this scene with me. So you can say, all right, so we see the haunted house on the hill, lightning flashes, and, and through the lit window, the camera pans up to the mother. And the mother is digging through the drawers of her child's bureau. And behind everything, she pulls out a dagger. You know, and you can give us all these tones, like the, the look on her face when she does that, things of that nature. That's a great way to use a vignette. Interrogation. This is a diamond. This is one of my favorite kinds of scenes. Two players are involved. One player asks the other player up to five questions. Now, the person who is asking the questions steals a drama point from the person they are asking those questions of. And this does not have to be a, hey, I tied you to a chair, straight up interrogation. This can be more metaphysical. You could have a conversation with your conscience, or maybe you're in a you're praying to your God or something like that. So keep that in mind. Also, if you want someone to play an NPC, you can say, hey, will someone play this NPC? Or, hey, Camden, I'd like you to play this NPC with me while we do this. It's a great way to dig into the character's backstory and kind of what their motivations are. So really try to dive deep. If you can, try not to ask yes or no questions. If someone asks you a yes or no question, just go ahead and expand upon it as if they had phrased it differently. Okay, interlude, that's a heart. So that's between two characters that have an established relationship. So if there's somebody you feel like you really want to role play with tonight, you might establish a relationship with their character during character creation. So just keep that in mind. Again, if that's something where you wanted to break that rule during gameplay, you could spend a drama point. And finally, spades is an ensemble. That means everybody in the group is there. Let me start with the description of the scarecrow here. So this is the entirety of the scenario as written in the protocol. The scarecrow is a story role-playing game about isolation and superstition. Characters are children living in rural America, all dealing with a local legend about a scarecrow who may or may not be real. This is based off the Cropsey myth on Staten Island or the Slender Man from the internet. This game plays upon the misguided fears and preconceptions, creating an environment that is both unstable but familiar. So we will create everything else. What we're going to do in character creation and world setup is we're going to uh, establish what our roles are. We're going to draw a card that establishes motivation for each character. And then we'll set up uh, relationships. So try not to get too far down that road as we go. All of this, again, is very flavor-based. There is no mechanical benefit to picking one role over another or anything of that nature. Again, this is all just flavor. So if you want to take a type of role in a different direction, feel free to do that. Or if you want to take it and twist it and totally mess it up and basically make your own, that's no problem too.
All right, I'll do Runaway Child. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, the Runaway... Perhaps he's just passing through, or lives in the woods. Cool. Cool. What else? Um, how about the rancher? Child of a rancher. Alrighty. Ranchers tend livestock. There's your flavor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're set. <laughs> uh, artistic child? All right. Living in rural America means uh, working hard. Sensitive children with creative minds do not tend to fit in. This seems appropriate. Can you work with that? <laughs> I will do the adopted child. In this context, the child is routinely reminded that he or she is adopted. Motivations. Let's start with Emily. So when I draw uh, a card from the deck, the suit and the value are going to have a word or a phrase associated mm -hmm. with each. If those don't totally jive in a grammatically correct way, just deal with it and uh, <laughs> take the inspiration from it that you can. If you just don't know how to go forward, spend a drama point and we'll pull a new card, okay? Okay. All right. So, four of diamonds. Diamonds is stubbornly and four is um, seeking revenge or motivated by revenge. That's very cool for motivation. Yeah. I like the way that works <laughs> mechanically. Yes. Perfect. All right, Sanda. Jack of clubs. Clubs is selfishly and valuing or motivated by explanations. Okay. Yep. Work for you? Yeah. Eric Camden. Yep. Five of diamonds. Stubbornly valuing or motivated by sadness. Yeah. That's my sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for myself... Three of spades. Spades is impulsively and valuing survival. Oh, I love that. That's oh, a, yeah. yeah, that one's a juxtaposition. Yeah. Moving on to relationships. So you can establish a relationship between characters that are not your character if you want to. If you're like, hey, I really want to see Senda and Camden roleplay, I'm going to establish that. That's fine. Um, but typically it just works well to establish a relationship for your character. You will establish one relationship. And again, this is divine, defined with a suit and a value. Um, so you tell us, Emily, or actually, let's start with Camden. Who would you like to establish a relationship between? How about Emily and I? So let's see here. I've got 10 of clubs. Clubs here is a family or long-term relationship. And 10 is trusting. All right. So Camden, this is your card. So you get to tell us some kind of role-playing cues that you see happening in that relationship. And what was your role? I am the child of a rancher. I would like to make our relationship that I've been living in your barn and you've been keeping my secret for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So you are the one person in this place that hasn't let me down so far. All right, Senda. Yeah, I think so. I think we should set up a relationship with you and me so that we initially have immediate relationships for everybody. Perfect. All right. So, Senda, you and I have a relationship six of um, spades. Spades is community or school. And six is survival. Which child are you again? I'm the adopted child. Right. And I'm saying my name is Carrie. So you are possibly also a little bit outcast. Mm -hmm. Like, I, maybe... Um, so at school, 
we sit at the same table for lunch because no one else will sit with us. Nice. You're like the person that I can sit with. <laughs> right. We've got a band together. Yeah. Okay, Emily, who would you like to establish a relationship between? I'll establish a relationship, I think, with Wendy. You and I, five of clubs. So clubs, again, is family or long term. And five is predictable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. You can tell me yes or no. Um, so maybe my parents used to live here and they were both killed. And we've known each other since then. And maybe I lived at your house for a minute while they were figuring out the whole thing. But not not since uh, Camden's character right. has come to town. This was back in the old days. Right. That. Yes. My, my family's very interested in caring for people. And so we're kind of like siblings, maybe. Yeah. And I will set up a relationship. Let's see. Who has relationships already? Well, who has relationships with who? Who <laughs> did. <laughs> we're making all sorts of visual gestures. That's right. Welcome to the world of podcasting, where we make hand gestures for you at home. <laughs> all right. Um, They're very clear and important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're missing so much. All right. So I feel like Senda and Camden, every protocol has a special rule. Oh, boy. And Did we just hit the special rule? Well, uh, so the special rule in this one is the fear of the dark. So, in the Scarecrow, the last player to select a relationship must select a relationship with an imaginary friend. So, and during an interlude, the player may have a scene with the imaginary friend. But, in addition to that, I drew the Joker. Oh, man. Which so, also means crazy the things. Joker means, in this case, it is draw again, adding another character to the race relationship. But I feel like it is... Camden's character, Senda's character, and this... And the imaginary, imaginary friend. friend mm-hmm. Nice. Share. Yep. Does one of you want to tell me what the imaginary friend is? Or do you want me to define that? I'm actually good if you go ahead, if you have thoughts yeah, on it. No, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, go for it. If you have thoughts, make it so. All right. The imaginary friend is going to be a cat... Named Mithril. Mithril talks to you, though, obviously. And you've both seen her like you feel like you've actually seen her. It's not just like you made this up together, um, but she brought you two together, like led you each to be at the same place at the same time when some critical life moment happened. Maybe one of you saved the other. I don't know. What do you think? I like it. I like it too. I'm trying to. Do we need to define what happened, or can, or should we? We can wait and find out. Rap. Play. Cool. Let's yep. do it. I like yeah. it. Yep. It's All more right. traumatizing that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Perfect>. oh man. <laughs> so keep in mind that um, when you go to uh, frame your scene or do a world building question, you can approach this from the directorial perspective. So you might know something that your character does not know. You might know something that all the characters don't know. Or you could say, hey, this is something that Wendy's character knows, uh, but no one else does. Or something like that. So you can approach it from that very high-level narrative outside the story. Okay, so my character's name is Carrie. She's an adopted child that impulsively values survival. Um... 
I have a community and survival relationship with Rose, Senda's character Rose, and I have a long-term predictable relationship with Emily's character, Mary Jo. Camden, do you want to go next? Sure. I will be playing Gavin Stevens, the runaway child who lives his life stubbornly entrenched in sadness. <laughs> Much like myself. <laughs> uh, so I have a relationship with Emily um, built on long-term and trusting, which I am living in uh, Mary Jo's barn. Uh, and so far, she has kept my secret and is taking good care of me. I also have a relationship with... Um, with Rosie and myself and an imaginary cat named Mithril who tells us to do things. <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing could go wrong. Absolutely not. <laughs> Mithril doesn't like your tone. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, good. Uh, so I am playing Rose or Rosie and I am the artistic child um, who is sensitive and doesn't really fit in and I am selfishly trying to get explanations. Um, I... Um, me and Carrie, um, are the outcasts at school who sit at the same table with each other at lunch. And so we have to kind of band together at school because we're the outcasts. <laughs> and then, yes, Camden, um, sorry, Gavin and I see a cat that no one else can, seems to be able to see, which is strange because, I mean, I've definitely seen Mithril. Definitely. Right. I mean, she's like black. Yeah. She's got like that little white thing on her forehead she's got sort of a weird little accent thing too. yeah the accent is strange yeah <laughs> i can't oh, place it anyway mithril. yeah that's mithril uh that's me <laughs> i'm playing mary joe i'm the child of a rancher apparently a fairly caring family i am stubbornly seeking revenge for something not yet defined. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, so as we said, I trust Gavin. He's living in my barn. And Wendy's character, Carrie, used to live with us before she was adopted. How old do you guys foresee these characters being? Are we talking single digits, tweens? What do you think? I, I, I kind of feel tweens, but I'm yeah. also flexible. I think that. What are you guys doing? Yeah, 11 to 13. Yeah, we're a little bit more independent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can get into more trouble. Yeah, we've got our bicycles and we can Exactly. We can full on Stranger Things, right? All right. So world building. This is where we will take the scenario, those four sentences, and kind of transform them into something where we know more about what's happening around us. So there are 10 questions. We do want to start with naming the town we live in. And if the town has access to the internet. So that might also help us define if we're in the modern day or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Which we don't have to be. So, town names? Anybody? Anybody? I picked the worst town names, so don't look at me. Yeah, I'm for some reason defaulting to, like, actual town names. Okay. Like, okay, there are fear fields everywhere. There's, like, little fear fields all over the Midwest. They're everywhere, so if that works... It's yes. really general. Do we have internet, or, or what year is it if we don't, maybe? I think it's maybe the early 90s. So we've heard of the internet. Maybe There's, the library Right, right, right. It. The library has internet, and you can get on the internet, like, in the school computer lab. 1993 in Fairfield. Fantastic. 
All right, so there are 10 questions. We each get to answer one. We'll kind of go around the table and do this, but if you need a few minutes to jot notes before we share, that's fine. Senda, we haven't started with you yet. Pick a number one through 10. Five. Who has dared you to steal the hat from the scarecrow, and what happens if you do it? There's only one middle school in the town, right? Obviously, it's the town bully. Like, the bully kid in the middle school. His name is Jared. Legend has it that if you take the hat off the scarecrow, that the next morning they'll find your body with pieces of straw strewn all over it. Emily, 1 through 10, not 5. 7. Number 7. Describe two rumors about the scarecrow. First is that the Scarecrow used to be a child in this town many, many years ago. And something happened, probably in the 50s, that sounds about right for being scary. You know, there was uh, some drifter kid who came in, started working as a soda jerk, and ended up just going insane and lost his mind to the point where he sort of transformed into a Scarecrow. So the idea is that the scarecrow used to be human. Billy. There are no woods. <laughs> I'm just starting to think like, okay, but there's, I'm, a, I'm a child of a rancher, right? So cornfields? Yes, there's or giant like, There's lots of really tall grassy stuff yes. we could be dealing there's with. There's lots of cornfields and tall grassy stuff. And there used to be a corn maze that would go up every October And then sometime in the mid-80s, it stopped. And we aren't old enough really to remember it, but what we heard was there were several children who went missing in the corn maze and still haven't been found. So our town used to get like a lot of visitors and made a lot of money during that time. Uh, And so our town has really gone run downhill in the past, you know, 10 to 15 years since that stopped. That was the only tourist trade. Brutal. All right, Camden, one through ten. Give me number one. Number one. How close are we to the next city? How far is the nearest hospital and or the police? We are three hours drive from the nearest city and 45 minutes from a hospital or and or police station. Emily, pick a number for me to answer. Um, we'll go with ten. Number ten. Name and describe one adult who will listen to your stories about the Scarecrow. The one adult in town who will listen to our stories about the Scarecrow is the person who used to be the farmer who owned the land where the corn maze was. Mm -hmm. But because the maze had to end and there was suspicion cast on them, uh, that they had had something to do with the missing children. The farm got repossessed by the bank. It got parceled off. And it, most of the land is just laying fallow. Mm-hmm. Um, this person's name is Sarah Jones. She is probably in her mid-50s. And again, she's not trusted by most of the townsfolk. She may have known Billy. She may know what happened to those children that went missing. All right, so just a reminder to everybody, uh, X card is in the middle of the table if we need it. 
The awesome thing about that is it lets us ramp the role play up to 11 and it gives everyone an out if we need it. So there it is. All right, so again, we're going to go around the table four times. Everyone's going to direct four times and that will be the game. And then we will have a finale card that we'll draw that will help us to determine if the scarecrow is real. And then based off of the number of drama points you have at the end of the game, you get to narrate a vignette per drama point at the end of the game. But I'm, I try to be very giving with the drama points because I always run myself out. So hopefully <laughs> um, we'll get those out there. Also, anytime an interlude happens, so that's between two characters with an existing relationship, everyone who is not involved will get a drama point. Cool? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, so the opening scene is always a vignette in Protocol, and it does not count as one of your four turns. This opening scene will either focus on Rumors or Double Dog Dare. If there is someone who would like to start us off with that, a vignette, which again is uh, one to two minutes of kind of description, sets the scene. I am willing to jump in on that. I have a double dog dare. I'm so ready to bring that. (laughs) Okay, so there's no um, role play or dialogue. Yep, it is just just setting the scene. Okay, the screen comes up. It's an empty cornfield that's kind of been lying fallow. So it's um, it's got weeds and stuff all over it. It's sort of just an overgrown lot, basically, at this point. In the distance, you can see a billboard that used to say, like, the amazing corn maze. It's like all the colors have faded and some of the um, slats have fallen out of it. And so it looks really like it's been disused for a long time. The camera kind of starts with that wide angle and then um, running across the the front is a a girl. She's in shorts and stripy tights and she's wearing kind of an oversized sweater and she's running along the ditch of the road. Um, And behind her comes like a gang of boys and they're yelling at her. Finally turns around, faces them and she's got her hands on her hips. And one of the boys comes up and just starts getting right in her face. And that's our scene. So not all of the scenes have to happen directly one right after another. So if time has elapsed in between, just let us know when we are. Uh, They do have to take place in chronological order. Unless we draw the other Joker, that will give us the opportunity to do a flashback. Or again, at any point, spend a drama point to change the rules, break the rules. For all future scenes, we're going to draw two cards. One is going to help us to define the scene, both the scene type and kind of some flavor around that. And then the second card will help us to define the location, same way. On your turn, if you want to continue with the location of the prior person, that's no problem. We don't have to draw a new card. You get a new card for free if you want it. If you don't like that card, then you could pay a point. Cool. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with Camden as player number one. So this is an ensemble, a spade, and the value is four, which is fear, and the horror our minds create when we imagine the worst. It's a lot to keep in your head, but... Yes, it is. <laughs> Again, just take inspiration from it. You don't have to include these exact words or anything in the scene. The location right now is roads that are desolate. You saw the, the you described the billboard earlier, so I think that uh, the three of us, Carrie, Mary Jo, and Gavin, see those boys harassing you mm-hmm. on the side of the road off in the field, mm-hmm. and we come to join in. And is it night or day? It's night. 
Okay. It's always night in a cornfield. Rosie, is that you? Yeah, it's me. It's just Jared. It's just Jared and his boys, and they're they want me to take his hat again, and I'm I'm not gonna take it. And I'm standing there and I'm holding my flashlight and I look very angry and a little bit frightened, and I'm just pointing it at him, and there's like his little crew of like bully boys behind him. There's like four more of them and they're like making snide comments and like giggling. Yeah, you should not do that. That's a terrible idea. Wait, who who else is out there? Jared, who's with you? You better not be talking about me because my name is Cecil and I don't take any nonsense. <laughs> Jared's gang, Jared's Cecil gang. and the Harrison twins. Cecil and the Harrison twins. There you go. <laughs> no, Rose, we gotta go home. You're not you're not going by the scarecrow. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to, but they're telling me that I'm like a scaredy cat. I'm not a scaredy cat. Even Mithril doesn't think that I am a scaredy cat. I'm just saying, I bet, I bet, I bet Jared, Jared is too scared to even go within two yards of the scarecrow. Yeah, Jared. You willing to walk up to the scarecrow? I bet he can't even measure two yards. <laughs> well, let's not judge him on that. I'm not entirely sure what two yards are myself. <laughs> But, uh, Jared, you like to walk up to everybody, be the tough guy. Let's see you be tough for once. Let's yeah, see you yeah. do something. Oh, yeah, you gotta do it. Yeah, come on. I, I, I bet you would never. I've got a Polaroid camera. I could take a picture if you got that close. You know, that'll last longer. I already double-dog dared Rosie to go and get the, get the hat. Well, I triple-dog dare you. Ooh. Do it. Come on. All right, what, I'll do it. What are you, scared? I ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and he marches towards the scarecrow, which is in the middle of a field, and disappears into the corn. You guys, we gotta go. Yes, this is terrifying. <laughs> Let's get out of here immediately. Right now. I agree. Yeah, Cecil and the... Uh, Harrison twins. Harrison twins already <laughs> took off. And scene. It's All right, yeah. perfect. Forgot it was me. To Emily. Emily, your scene is a king of hearts. Hearts is an interlude, so that's between two players with an existing okay. relationship. And the king is king of the mountain. Currently located at uh, the road that is desolate. Would you like a new location or do you want to stay there? I'm sorry. I'm confused about my choices. Ah. <laughs> you can have a new location if you want to. Oh, okay. Or you can I don't understand the king of the mountain. I'm sorry. I know the game, yeah. but is that... We... Inspiration for the scene, right? Oh, inspiration for yeah, the scene. Yes, that's the inspiration for the scene. Doesn't It doesn't have to be precisely king of the mountain. Just take okay. from that what you will. What, what the heck? It's a one shot. I'll spend a drama point to you get want... a new location. You don't have to spend one for a new location just yet. Oh. So you can, I can just pull you one if you're ready for a new one. You can Take play. It there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. So new, new location. location. King of diamonds. Oh, diamonds wow. is the road. And king is under a watchful eye. So currently your scene is an interlude mm -hmm. about or themed by king of the mountain. And you are on the roads under a watchful eye. So you get to establish what two characters are there. Right. Um, they should have an established relationship through character creation. Right. So I think it's Carrie and me, okay. and we are walking to school, and we're walking down the main road. 
So it's, you know, early-ish in the morning, the, the morning after we dared Jared to go and get the Scarecrow's hat. Yeah. Triple dog is obviously what happens after double dog. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it works. Right? right? It works every time. Yep. Right. So it's, it's watchful because there's plenty of other people out. There are other kids walking to school. Carrie, have you seen Jared this morning? No, you know, normally he's uh, waiting for the bus just down the road. And I, I didn't see him. I haven't seen him either. And he lives, he lives right across the road from my family's farmhouse. I don't think this is good. I don't know what happened. I mean, he thinks he's the top of the class and all of that. But if he goes up against something in the cornfield, that's just not going to be the case. I mean, he grew up here. He's smarter than that. Well, I don't know about that. Okay, fair. <laughs> but he should know better than to run off into the cornfield and mess with the scarecrow. Especially alone. I mean, come on. Rosie at least had all those people following her. <laughs> but we all bailed. Yeah. Maybe we should go duck into the field real quick and just see. I've got, okay. I've got my camera. We could take a, a quick snap. Yeah, we, we should do that. Just, I'm just going to feel really, really bad if anything happens. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. We'll just go check. And, you know, Scarecrow's there, and it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, it's just down that desolate road. And they look down the road, <laughs> and at the top of it. Scene. Yeah. Nice. Do we get... Drama points for not being in the interview? Yes, yes, you do. Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right that's races. right. You being like all yes. snooty about those drama points? Yeah, you guys have to keep me honest on that. <laughs> so my scene is a diamond, which is an interrogation. And 10 is pecking orders. So currently we're on the road under a watchful eye. I'm going to do a new location. Ace of clubs farms or fields and with the lights off i would like to pull in an npc so i'm going to pay a drama point for that is there someone that is willing to play sarah jones the farmer who owned the corn maze i am okay perfect uh i'll be asking you questions okay yep so give me a drama point yes ma'am yes Perfect. But she giveth and she taketh away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's the scene, because I still get to set up the scene. Carrie and Mary Jo walk down the desolate road into the old corn maze field. It's still early in the morning, so like the dawn sun is rising, but there are still some flickering lights on the barns and a couple of posts that come up out of the ground with the phone wire and whatnot on them. Um, The lights flicker out just as they walk past and start off into the cornfield. And uh, somehow Mary Jo gets separated. Carrie thinks she can still hear her in the corn next to her because she can hear the rustling of the leaves and the sloshing through the kind of dry dirt field. But when she comes out into the empty area around the scarecrow. It's not Mary Jo that's there. It's Sarah Jones. And Sarah, um, as we mentioned before, is kind of a recluse. 
she's not well respected or liked by the people in town so she's equally suspicious of people that come onto this land which is a small fraction of the land that she used to own miss jones uh what are you doing out here so early in the morning girl you gave me a fright i'm i'm out here what you, i'm out here doing my farm work why do you keep the scarecrow up considering that like you know there's way better ways to keep pests away because sometimes you need the right tool to keep the right things at bay. Oh, we heard that some of the kids were out here last night, like uh, Jared. I don't know if you know Jared. You he, kids aren't allowed to be out here. No, I know. He's pretty much a jerk, so he does whatever he wants. But um, we didn't see him on the way to school this morning. I was coming to check and see if, if anyone had seen him. He was coming this way. I haven't seen anything. All I found was this here baseball cap. Oh, no. That's Jared's baseball cap. The Cleveland Indians? Yeah. Well, here, why don't you get it back to him? And Carrie picks up the hat, and there's a little bit of blood on the inside of the brim. And her eyes just get even more wide as she kind of stuffs it into her backpack. Like, she doesn't want to touch it anymore. Do you know if uh, anybody might have seen him coming out this way? Has any of the neighbors been around, or are they all done for the year? You know that nobody comes around here. Either I saw him, or nobody saw him, and I didn't see anything. Miss Jones? Yes? Is it okay if I go now? <laughs> hmm. You want to go? Mm-hmm. Then you better get it! <laughs> All right, Senda. Uh, this is your first real turn. My first real turn. Real okay. turn. Okay. It is another vignette. Okay. And the value is the crows, the rooks, and the magpies song. Mm-hmm. The current location is farm fields with the lights off, or you can have a new location. Okay. I'm going to tell you a new location. New location. Two of diamonds. This is the roads, and it's quiet. This is basically a cut. To all of the kids have finished walking to school. The camera actually uh, basically comes up and the road's essentially empty. A truck goes by, leaving a trail of dust because it's dirt and it passes, and then everything goes back to being absolutely silent. And sort of the fall insects start um, coming back um, around the, the drier, the dead crops that yeah. are in the fields. There's a crow just circling in the sky and you see it come down and land off somewhere um, where the camera can't quite see what it's looking at and it starts calling and then more and more crows just start gathering to that point. All right, Camden on the start of round two. Nine of clubs, so this is another vignette. Nine is pledging allegiance. Current location is Quiet Roads, or you can have a new location. Give me no location, please. Alrighty. Four of Hearts, this is Home and Overcast or Foggy. <laughs> Ooh, let's see. Home. I will move us forward in time to after school. This is after school, and Gavin and Mary Jo are walking around the barn. 
There is a dust storm that's moved in, which is kind of obscuring all the light and has kind of darkened the sky. The cows out in the field are starting to look a little, uh, starting to get a little skittish. And a pickup truck pulls up. The pickup truck belongs to Jared's father. Jerry's father walks, gets out of it, walks up to the farmhouse, and goes to talk to Mary Jo's dad. A few minutes later, he walks back out, and for the first time ever, we actually see him crying. Scene. We hope you enjoyed listening to episode 64 of She's a Super Geek. If you liked what you heard, you can find more information at sasgeek.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at sasgeekpodcast. Our theme song is Rock and Roll Play Baby by Kieran Strange. You can find more music, tour dates, and merchandise at kieranstrange.com, or on Twitter as well at Kieran Strange. We'll see you in two weeks to find out why Mr. Smith is crying. Yeah.